0: You know, in my head, you you have things in your head, you know, that there's going to be this, like, massive transition from worship to the message. It's going to be seamless, and it's going to have this, like, like the Shekinah glory of God is going to fall on this place, you know. And then your mic doesn't work, and God firmly roots you back into reality that he's working in the everyday moments, God has something for you this morning. I don't know if you woke up this morning thinking that or not. God wants to move. He wants to speak. He wants to set you free. Angel. You know, embedded into the very fabric of our beings, the DNA of our soul, every single person on the planet recognizes and understands this truth that we were created for more. Whether you're religious or not religious, there is this hunger and there is this thirst and there is this quest. There's this recognition that there is more to life than our to do list, more to life than simply being upwardly mobile or having all the right things. In fact, we know that there's more to life than simply doing church, if I can say it like that. We were created. You were created. I was created. We were created to have an intensely personal relationship with the God of the universe. I mean, said another way, we were created. For our Creator. It's intimate. It's personal. It's dynamic. It's life giving. It's soul shaping. It's purpose fulfilling relationship. And there's this hunger and there's this thirst for this dialogue with mystery. This dialogue, this intimate conversation. God. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about how to engage in this dynamic, soul-shaping, life-giving conversation with God. Some call it prayer, but I'm kind of wary to call it prayer because immediately what comes to your mind isn't soul-shaping, isn't dynamic. For many, it comes off as a checklist, doesn't it? How do we engage in what we are created for? How do we step into the more we were created for? Next week, we're going to, the series title is simply this, Don't Stop Short. And that's what I'm hoping you say as I preach. Don't stop short. Keep going longer. No, I'm just kidding. And it's not about praying longer prayers, but it's going to be very practical in how to pray how to pray in such a way. Have you ever thought of this? How to pray in such a way that not only changes you, but also changes the world around you. And then week three is my favorite. So don't miss it. It's Palm Sunday. Don't miss week three. We're going to talk about the gift of disorientation. And I'm not even going to explain it. I want to leave some mystery in there. Um, But it is one of those things. If you get that, your whole world will change. This morning we're gonna unpack the idea of the family name. Because this is the foundation, this is the bedrock, this is the starting point for every single human on the planet, the family name. Um, For us parents, one of the things that is incredibly nerve-wracking is naming our kids. I don't know if, you, any, how many parents we got? We got parents in here? Yeah, 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 okay. Do you remember naming your kids? Like, or maybe you're, like, have one in the oven ready to come out, um, and you have to name this being, and you realize that whatever you name this being, they gotta live with for life, and so if you don't do a good job, uh, they're stuck with it, you know? The, your, like, poor naming could be the result of years of ridicule on the playground, you know? It, it's, I mean, it's nerve-wracking, uh, when it came to naming our kids, uh, one in particular, I already had knew what we were going to name them, or kind of why we were going to name them. It was my oldest son? Um, see, there's a heritage, there's a family name that's been passed on in our family, uh, and I'm RBI, the third. And so my granddad is RBI Sr., which stands for Ralph Brown Ingram. And then he decided that's such a great name, Ralph, you know, and Brown. I mean, those are strong names, um, common today, right? Uh, And he decided to name his son Ralph Brown Ingram Jr., number two, right? And so instead of, you know, in that day, uh, instead of calling him Jr., they called him Chip, a chip off the old block. And so ever since birth, he's been called Chip, and he goes by Chip, and you may have heard Chip Ingram before speak, and he's fantastic. He's amazing. He's my dad, and I'm thankful for it. But his name is actually Ralph. <laughs> Do not call him that. He won't appreciate that. <laughs> now, when they went to name me, by God's grace, <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit inspired them, motivated, and compelled them. They didn't want to name me Ralph or Brown, but they wanted to pass on the family name. They wanted to pass on the heritage that I had. And so they kept the initials, RBI, and named me Ryan Brandon Ingram III. On my birth certificate, it says Ryan Brandon Ingram III. The nurse said, the nurse said, you can't do that. The doctor looked at the nurse and said, are their kid. They can name them whatever they want. (laughs) And so then my oldest son, I had to pass on, or had the joy of passing on the family name. And so he is RBI the fourth. (laughs) Now when it came to naming him, there's not a whole lot of good R and B names out there. You know, Rufus, Brutus, you know, those are the names that typically came to mind. I actually, this is not a lie, I'm serious. Um, I was vying for this name. I thought, how cool would this be that we'd name him Rhythm and Blues Ingram, you know, RBI. Uh, that was squelched real quick by my wife, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool? Hey, Rith, what's up, it would. He would either be the coolest kid in his class, you know, or not the coolest kid. Um, and so instead, he is Ryder, Brandon, Ingram, the fourth. That's his family name that has been passed down. This morning, I want to talk about your God-given family name and why it makes all the difference in your relationship with God, and why it makes all the difference in the more that you have been created for. And if you miss this, the whole rest of the series isn't going to really connect. That's the reason prayer hasn't connected for you. Because if you don't get the family name, and you don't understand the impact of that, prayer is a checklist. It is not a dynamic, soul-shaping, life-giving conversation with your Creator, with your Heavenly Father. It is just something you do to somehow try to appease God and please God. The family name. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about the family name. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, the background or the context of it is the Apostle Paul's writing. He's in prison. He's in Rome. Uh, he's in prison there. He's awaiting trial before Nero. We ultimately know that in this prison is going to be his final days. He will be executed there, and he spends his remaining days witnessing to those that are his guards, and writing letters to the churches he planted. And so he writes this letter called the Epistle to Ephesians to the church in Ephesus or the region of Asia Minor. And he says this about the family name. For this reason, I kneel before the father, underlined father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Underline derives its name. He says, for this reason. And we're going to get to that because you've got to know what reason, the reason he's kneeling to pray. But he says, for this reason, I kneel. And by the way, that means a big deal. In our context, um, we don't get it as much. But Jewish traditional praying is always standing up. You only prayed on your knees when you were fervent. He says, there's, there's a fervent focus to my prayer before the Father from whom everyone, heaven, earth, derives its name. Said another way, the Apostle Paul is saying this, it's less about who you are and more about whose you are. It is less about who you are, what you make. It is less about who you are, what degrees you have, what letters are after your name, where you live, and more about whose you are. We did a whole series on this that you are beloved, adopted, redeemed, chosen, daughter, son see this is the crux of the family name he's going to say no 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 as long as you are trying to defend who you are you can't embrace whose you are and whose you are makes all the difference because of the family name because of whose you are uh, this, is, this is what I want you to get you have access where before you had distance because of the family name now hang on let me back up just real quick because some of you are going like yeah I get that this morning for many in this room I do not want to teach you something new I want to remind you of something old this morning, for many in this room, my goal and my aim is that we make the longest journey from your head to your heart, from stuff that you know to knowing the Father. Okay? That's where we're going, that's where we're heading. Because of whose you are, you have access. You have entrance, where before there was a chasm and a gap and distance. Notice Paul said, for this reason. Uh, He clarifies what this reason is about, verses 1 through 13 of chapter 3. He says this. He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, so there's a mystery. There's a mystery, something they didn't know that was revealed. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, Gentiles, anyone not Jewish, Anyone not a part of the chosen people of God. Anyone who is not born of the family name of Abraham. And this was rock and Paul's world. And this, for this reason, is the reason he's in jail. For this reason is the reason that he was beat, persecuted, and spat upon. For this reason, he gave his life for this reason right here that he's going to explain the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs. Part of the family. Unheard of. In a Jewish mind, they couldn't even imagine or understand this because the Gentiles were enemies. There was a distance and there was a gap. Heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together of the promise of Christ Jesus, that there is Access where before there was distance. He says it another way in Colossians. He writes this in Colossians 1.27. He says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited king, the one who would right every wrong in you, the hope of glory. That there is unparalleled access to the Father like there has never been. Now, this isn't soul shaping yet, and you're not quite there. So let me ask a question. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where you were denied access? Where, where you couldn't get into the place you wanted to get in, where, where there was for sure the insiders and you were an outsider. It might have been a movie. It might have been a concert. It might have been an event. I don't know what it is, but you were denied access, where you wanted to get in, but you couldn't. You're standing there watching, hoping, but you're stuck on the outside. A couple of years ago, my wife and I uh, had the privilege of going to a Chris Tomlin concert. We really like his, uh, his worship and his music that he writes. My in-laws bought us the ticket. It was a Christmas gift. And so they drove up to have dinner with us, took us out to this really fancy dinner. It was amazing. Uh, and then we got in the car, just the two of us, and my in-laws took care of babysitting. And we drove to the Chris Tomlin concert at San Jose State's campus. Hello, we love State and Santa Clara and all other colleges, too. Um, That was my cap for everybody. Um, And as we're driving, we get in line, and it took way longer than we expected. We didn't expect there to be that much traffic for a Chris Tomlin concert. And finally, we get in the parking lot, and we're walking, about to get out of the car, and we look at each other and go, did you get the tickets? No, no. Did you? No. Like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. So we walk to the front trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get in to this? We have tickets. We have tickets. They're just not with us, but we're there. And here's the crazy part. When you go up to the person who's checking the tickets, you can't just tell them you have tickets. They want proof that you have tickets. No, 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 but they're sitting on our, yeah, yeah, do you have it on your email? Check my email. No, 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 they don't have it. We had it printed off, sitting on our desk, and we left the tickets at home. Everybody's inside, worshiping Jesus, having this sweet old time. We're stuck outside, not worshiping Jesus. (laughs) Thankfully, At that particular concert, my brother was there. My brother just so happened to produce Chris Tomlin's album and write most of the songs on it. And so I texted him, hoping that somehow my brother could get us in, and he said, no problem, just go to the will call and tell them your name. Because I had the family name. I go up to Will Call. I'm like, hi, how are you? Fine, yeah. um, Okay, Ingram. Let me check that. Hang on. Nope, not here. He had to make a phone call. Get the call. Oh, Ingram. Oh, go right on in. Go right in. Wait, we don't even have tickets. That doesn't matter. Go right on in because you're connected to your brother and we go down not up to the high but down to the floor and then because we're with him we go to the backstage and we're hanging out feeling like we're the coolest people on the planet but we're not. We just know somebody. See, in Jesus, in Jesus you have access to the God of the universe where before there was distance. See, one of the biggest problems, I think, for us today is the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory has become mundane. That this mystery that somehow, man, we have access into the Holy of Holies to go before the Father. And yet we go, yeah, yeah, I throw up a prayer when I drive. Yeah, 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 whatever. I have access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't hit us that the weight of glory we get to enter into and know the Father. The question, though, is well, what kind of access do we have? never thought about that you know i mean what is it is this just general admission you know is this nosebleed seats Is 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 this like hey we're going to be on the floor hey it's front row access is this backstage access is this all access is this full access what kind of access do we have and the apostle Paul reveals with one poignant word exactly the kind of access we have for this reason I kneel before who the Father. See, this is another thing that we don't get. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, "What, our Father in heaven? Say it with me. Come on. Some of you grew up in Catholic church. You know this. The rest of us, to, we'll learn it right here. Our Father in heaven, how would be the name? Yeah. Some of you even had it in. Now we're not. We just get the first line. just get the first line. That's good. In Judaism, to speak the personal name of God was unheard of, unfathomable. They they wouldn't utter his name. In fact, the scribes who would copy the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, as they would copy, when they got to the personal name of God, Yahweh, they wouldn't write his name until they went took off their robes, ceremonially cleansed themselves, got a brand new quill, wrote Yahweh, then put that pin down, quill never to be used again, went, ceremonially cleansed himself, put on brand new clothes, and finished the writing. That was the revere, the honor, the respect. God, high, holy, and, and there's no way that we could ever be close to him. And then Jesus, with the scandal of intimacy, it was scandalous what he said. This wasn't part of the language of the day to approach God and say, Our Father. And then when he uses the word Father, he doesn't just use any word for Father, he uses the word Abba. It's the most intimate word for Father in the Creek. Abba. It's what a young child comes up to his daddy and says, Daddy, Papa our Papa our Papa Dad Dad I mean think about the invitation of God to you right now is to come to him and just go Dad And you may not have had the greatest dad in the world and you may not even have a picture of that but you have a perfect Heavenly Father who invites you just to come with that level of intimacy Papa Papa And I love how Jesus balances it because it's not just this intimacy without reverence. Our Papa in heaven. Our Papa, our perfect heavenly Father. Yes, people will disappoint, but God never will. What kind of access you have intimacy where before you had animosity. I love that, how would be your name. We don't think about that too much. That word hallowed means, uh, literally, let me never bring you down to my level. Let me never bring your name, your character down to my level, but I want to go up to your level. See, we have a couple extremes when we pray. I think we fall into the line for some of us that God is unapproachable unattainable, he's impersonable, that that he doesn't want anything to do with us. Maybe there's a feeling of shame and guilt of where we've been and that he wouldn't want anything to do with us and so we just never even approach him. And then there's the other side of it. There's those of us in this room that we're far too familiar with the Father. We approach with a a casualness. We we treat them like a genie or cosmic vending machine where, dear God, like every prayer starts this way. Dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God, parking space, okay? Boom, Woohoo! praise the Lord. You know, dear God, A, dear God, whatever it is, dear God, that girl, woo, she's smoking hot, and you want me with smoking hot, girl? Help her come to know Jesus, dear God, in Jesus' name, amen, woo, are you, okay. Dear God, right? We treat him as if somehow he solely exists to meet our needs, wants, and desires. Or we get so like, he's our BFF. What's up? He's my homeboy. We don't say that much anymore, but it's the only thing my culture says, I'm sorry, I just totally dated myself, and you guys are like, I'm not gonna listen the whole rest of the way. (laughs) But there's this casualness. Casualness. Yes, he is Papa, but he is holy. He is righteous and true. And what we have to understand is this. Before Jesus, we are in hostility with the holy and righteous God because we are sinners who have rebelled from him. And what his justice demanded, God's love provided in Jesus, and as a result, hostility is taken away, and now we have intimacy. And so when we come to the ground of Father, we have full access intimacy with the king of kings, our heavenly perfect father. Paul says this just earlier, verse 12. He says, in him, speaking of Jesus, And through faith in him. That's how we have intimacy. Jesus the whole way, faith in him, faith in what he did on the cross, his work, where he died for our sins, where he was buried for our sins, where he rose again, defeating sin, death, that we might approach. I love that. We may approach God. How? With freedom. And confidence. How how do you approach God? Freedom? Confidence. That word freedom, some of your translations says boldness. Literally, what it means is to speak freely. It's like you can just come to God and talk to God about what you want to talk about. You can speak freely. You don't have to, like, somehow figure out the right words to say. There's not a magic formula. There's not any of these things where, you know, if I change my voice or if I stand up, sit down, whatever it is, so that you can speak freely. And then with confidence. You don't have to doubt or worry or wonder if God will accept you. You don't have to earn it, measure up, or prove yourself. You just have to bring yourself. Um, I have these three by five cards that I review every single day. And one one of them just has my 2016 goals. And there's only five because I'm not very good at doing a lot of goals. The very top of it is, here's my 2016 goal, to consistently date my wife and my kids. I want to consistently date my wife and my kids. I review it every day. doesn't mean I do it every day. Uh, And so I consistently have been pursuing that. And so with my kids, uh, I've gotten to go on some daddy dates. We call them daddy dates. And so I got to go on some daddy dates, and I, I just found it so interesting how different um, those dates were between my kids and ages and stages. So I took Miles, my youngest, he's, uh, almost, he'll be six this month out for a daddy date, and you know, we're hanging out, and it's fun. And what's interesting is he's a third kid, and so around home, he doesn't talk a ton because he has an older brother and sister who talk for him, you know? And so, but you get him by himself, and it's just da 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 blah, ba 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 I mean, he just talks. Like the whole time, like we drive to Pete's, blah 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 blah, blah. just talking. <laughs> like yeah, uh huh. Uh-huh. We get up to the line, just talking. And I'm like, excuse me, son. Blah blah. blah. Oh yeah, just a second, son. Blah blah blah. Okay, um, what would you like? Blah blah blah. Okay, okay. And he goes there, and then we sit down. And he's just talking. And then we walk. I mean, th- the kid did not stop talking <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> on Friday, I went on a daddy date with my daughter. She's 11. She's looking really old and is scaring the crap out of me. <laughs> and we had a father daughter dance with the uh, school prepared. And so we went out to dinner beforehand to Chinese food, her favorite. And I just thought, how interesting of seeing, you know, from five, almost six to 11, this shift in our relationship. My daughter takes after her mother in so many ways and it's just incredible and she um, she didn't talk the whole time. She asked questions. Dad, how was your day? It, it, was, it, was, it was good. I'm not used to talking on these things, you know, i just used to listening. <laughs> we get done, you know, sitting, dinner, get done, we're driving home and, I, and she's like, so, Dad, what was your favorite part of the daddy dance? Oh, that's a great question, Ella. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm not a great question asker. What, what, what was your favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> she asked this. It was amazing. She said, she said, Dad, if you could do one thing different from tonight, what would you do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Taking notes on how to ask questions from my 11-year-old daughter. For some this is really important the sign of spiritual maturity isn't how long you pray but is the shift from simply moving from wanting the father to know you, your heart to wanting to know the father's heart see it is okay and the father welcomes it when you step into the faith and you're new in your faith and you just he said with, with confidence speak freely Speak freely. What's on your heart? Bring it. Bring it all. You don't have to hesitate. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. Just bring it all. But if you spend your entire Christian walk just bringing it all and never asking and inviting and wondering what the Father thinks, it will hinder your growth. And for some, you just need to step into this transition of listening a little bit more than you're speaking to God and asking questions of the Father and wanting to know His heart and His thoughts and wanting to know what He's thinking about and inviting Him to speak. Why? Because you have access where before you had distance and you have a level of intimacy to approach Papa, where before you had animosity. And I love how the Apostle Paul closes out this one sentence. Because this is the thing for many in this room that's going to move prayer from a checklist to a life engagement. This is what's going to move prayer if you have the courage to apply it, if you have the courage to do it, to move it where those words access and intimacy aren't catchphrase and head knowledge, but it becomes a heart reality of I know God. Notice what he said? I love this. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You carry the name of God, the family name. It's not who you are, it's whose you are you have been chosen to carry the name of jesus everywhere you go you are a carrier you are a carrier of the name of god you represent him you know the apostle paul didn't start as the apostle paul right he started as saul of tarsus remember this acts chapter 9 unpacks how paul or saul became paul Remember that Paul's past as Saul was not the prettiest past. I mean, he was a brilliant rabbinic mind, top of his class, excelling in the religious institution and persecuting Christians with such fierce intensity. And he's on this road towards a city called Damascus with papers in his hand to persecute and kill Christians. And on the road, he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. On the road, he got knocked off his high horse, literally. That's what happened. God showed up, Jesus showed up, bright light, and you hear this phrase, and Jesus asks him, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love this line. We can't go into it. But he says, who are you? Lord, because <laughs> he knows whoever this is talking to me is God. He knows that whatever's happening here, you're in control. I'm not in control. And he says, it's Jesus whom you're persecuting. He says, go into Damascus and wait. And then, and then God taps on the shoulder of a guy named Ananias and says, I want you to go send this message to Saul of Tarsus. No, 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 I think you, uh, God, I'm not so sure if that's exactly what you meant to say. Um, maybe it's another Saul of, of uh, Barsus, maybe that, not Tarsus, but Barsus. Maybe, did you stutter? Because this guy came to kill us, and you want me to go and share what with him? And he says, no, this is what I want you to say to this Saul, who we now know as Paul, who wrote half of of the New Testament he said but the Lord said to Ananias go this man is chosen is my chosen instrument to what carry my name before the gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel as a follower of Jesus wherever you go you carry the name of Jesus with you we get this as parents we, we understand this because this is why for us as parents when our kids respond with such respect and manners at a restaurant and we don't have to tell them say thank you. You better say thank you gosh, oh, you didn't say thank you, you know, but when they're like, oh, thank you, may I please have some more, wouldn't you learn the word may, Um, you know, (laughs) when they do that, when they're off at a friend's house, and you hear that they were just a, a delight, and so respectful, you're like, yes, and when you hear that they weren't, you're like, oh, and here's why, Because in some small way we get this—that their behavior and their reaction and the way they do do life reflects on us as parents. Because we are their dad and their mom, and they carry our name wherever they go. And God looks at you. This is a game changer. He says, "You have been chosen." wherever you go to carry my name see all too often we are far too concerned with making a name for ourselves rather than simply carrying the name God has given us and if we began to shift and go no 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 I <laughs> I'm not making a name I already have a name I'm not gonna. I'm not worried about making a name. I have a name. All of us, by the way, are name carriers. You you get that right? We're we're by nature name carriers. Just think about this. Apple's a name, right? Google's a name. Gucci, Prada, Lululemon, Sony. Let's see what else? Let's think about us some other names. What are you wearing? Levi's, Vans, Ray-Bans. They're all names. And you know what all of them are counting on? For you to carry their name. And if you don't, they go bankrupt. And the God of the universe has invited you and has called you by name to carry his name. And you're his plan. Let me ask you this. What are you carrying this morning? I mean, I mean, what is it that you're carrying this morning? What did you come in with? Maybe you're carrying stress or discouragement. Maybe you're carrying the pressure of whatever project you're on. Maybe you're carrying uh, the the longing for others' approval or affirmation or encouragement. Maybe you're you're carrying the the pursuit of some success. What are you carrying this morning? You have access, where before you had distance. You have intimacy. You have intimacy with God. Father God where before there was animosity and you you carry the name of Jesus for some this morning the sermon like man you're on you you came in you're like yeah I'm carrying the name and, and I'm on fire and I'm getting after it and we're just so thankful for you we're thrilled for that And we just want to encourage you, keep running, keep experiencing the Father's heart. For others this morning, this this sermon was like BBs off a tank. Just dang, dang, dang. I was, uh, when I was nine, we moved from Santa Cruz to, or from Dallas to Santa Cruz. On the way, my dad decided to make a pit stop at the Grand Canyon I mean beautiful magnificent brilliant breathtaking grand freaking canyon and pull off a couple hour drive out of the way me and my brothers get out of the car we look at the beautiful breathtaking Grand Canyon and this is what we said big hole in the ground got right back in the car for some, when I say you have access, you have intimacy, you've been called to carry. It's like BBs off a tank. It's like staring at the beauty and wonder of the Grand Canyon, and it's simply a big hole in the ground. Here's what I ask you to do Would you bring that to God? Would you bring that to Him? Speak freely. Go, God, you know what? This just feels honestly empty and hollow, and it's been empty and hollow for a long, long time. And I want what that Ingram guy's talking about, but it seems way far away. Would you meet me here? And then would you have the courage to sit at the Father's feet until that big hole in the ground starts to take your breath away? brothers, the invitation this morning is to step into the family of God. Step into the family of God through faith in Jesus. Simple. It's a simple confession where you just say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I believe that you weren't just a good man, that you actually were the God man, that you came, died in my place, and then rose again that I might have life. I have been invited into the family. I want to be in the family. You've already chosen me, and I'm choosing to believe. And there's not a prayer, magical prayer or something like that, that you just a conversation with God where you say, God, today, today, I want to step into the family of God. I want to have access and intimacy. And in that moment when you confess and you invite, you have life.